Hello, hello. Welcome into the Dab Podcast, episode 62. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and not next to me, but on the phone with me, my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, April brings a lot of sports on the docket, my brother. It does, Mr. Rinaldi, but I don't want to start there because we need to let the people know first that they can get us on Twitter and on Instagram. Social media. Dabpodcast.com, dabpodcast at gmail.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. But the people need to know, Mr. Rinaldi, that so much more important than any sports game that you could have watched this weekend, any championship that could have been come closer to winning or losing, you, my friend, are a father for the second time, and that deserves a big-time congratulations. Well, thank you, bro. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. And, yes, that's true. My little princess – Mila Ann joined House Rinaldi March 30th at 1.25 in the morning. Andrew, it was a beautiful thing. And let me say, my wife, what a rock star she is. But first, as, as everybody knows, you know, labor is kind of an intensive thing. You know, those who've gone through it, you know, it's, it's a crazy time. But let me tell you, as we're sitting there bedside, we were watching a little March Madness, Andrew. <laughs> The Dad Podcast, we were discussing the Dad Podcast bracket, me and my wife, because ironically, of course, she's in first place, and she's about to go into labor. And she's worried so about her Dad Podcast bracket. That- first thing on her mind, listen, as second time go around, listen, she was, this was easy breezy, <laughs> you know, so she was ready to go, and she was locked in on Duke basketball, and uh, that was quite the, uh, quite, quite the win they had, but funny story. So uh, we're in the labor room, right? My wife's getting ready to, to, to give birth, and her doctor comes in, and we happen to be chatting sports as it's going on and all. And we kind of get locked into the Duke game, you know, Zion dunking on people, you know, craziness happens. My wife yells at us, hey, guys, hello, I'm in labor. <laughs> Let's do something. So, his, you know, our, our attention went to go focus on my wife, and he goes to me, he goes to me, do you want to catch your daughter? <laughs> I said, wait, are you serious? He goes, put your hand up. So I, I put my right hand up. He goes, all right, size eight. He goes, nurse, fit him for gloves and scrub him in. <laughs> I, said, I said, doc, listen, I played center field back in high school. I said, I got this. So, I mean, listen, let me tell you, get, being, <laughs> to catch the birth of your daughter and to, to be able to share that moment with your wife, I mean, listen, I, that's a different podcast for a bunch of women sitting on a soapbox or something. <laughs> wait, I don't that's know. legal, huh? But, you, can, you can catch your own child being, being birthed? That's legal. I mean, listen, Andrew, I spent five years of college. I'm, I, I caught my own daughter. I'm basically a doctor now anyway. I, what, what, what am I paying him for? I mean, Well, geez. my favorite part of that is that you, you probably really did tell him that you were a real good center fielder back in the day. So your catchability through the roof. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I, I could track with the best of them. But for real, shout out to my wife's doctor, Dr. Gravy, uh, the Valley Hospital, all the nurses. They're, you know they're all heroes over there. They, they do a great job, and let me just tell you, it's it's just amazing to see. And now I have a 20 month old son and a new baby girl, 
And life is just crazy, Andrew. Let me tell you, crazy. And the best part of that story for me is that throughout it all, what was the most important thing on your beautiful wife's mind? The, the damn po- the, the damn podcast bracket, baby. <laughs> the, 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 the damn brackets that she's still upset, still to this day yells at me because she didn't pick a winner. I mean, thank goodness. And I, I was praying that Duke lost, sadly, just so I don't have to hear about it anymore because she had Duke riding all the way, but she never actually selected him to win the game, the championship game. So it is what it is. But, I mean, while we're talking about it, Andrew, we might as well give the folks the, give update, them the update on who's, who's winning, who's closing, because we're down to the final we four. We are, maybe. and Two a lot of games, people are out of this it. bracket because this is not a final four people expected. Listen, but uh, side note, my wife beat me again. Like, this is the 14th year in a row she's beat me in a March Madness bracket. I think I, think I need to restock the, restock the tools and – and go back to the drawing yeah, board. Yeah, 100%. Andrew. How? All right. Yo, anyway, give, first, it give it to him. Give it to him. First place, somebody named Jeff. Andrew, explain that. Who's this guy, Jeff? Do you know this character? Jeff is our men's basketball coach at FDU. And By FDU, killing it this year. The funny part about him being at the top of our dad podcast bracket is I gave him so much shit about his first two-round picks because he was so convinced Marquette was going to win. He was so convinced Murray State wasn't going to win. And there were a few other games he was just so wrong about. And now we come full circle, and he is the guy that is on the top fast track to winning our bracket. So there might be some Yankees tickets in his future. He does, Yeah, right now he's, he's, he has the max Does he have a handle on it? And- does he have a handle on it? Uh, yeah, I want to say he does over, over, over my boy Vince. And I believe John Kay is definitely one of my other good friends because they only can get max points, 138 and 105. So he's got a 20, a 19-point lead there. See, so, he picked three of the four uh, in the final four, and he's got Texas Tech and Virginia in the final. That's insane. Wow. Wow, talk about teaser alert. And what do you teaser, got? Teaser, teaser. Right, I'll keep going. Keep giving the people what they got. And, but, I mean, listen, Vince and, Vince and John Kay – duking it out for that dab year. I mean, some people told me they, they strictly want to lose or come in second place just for the dab year, son. So the dab year really is that popular to the people, huh? Hey, listen, I don't, I don't want to call out a, a dark horse here, but I got to give, I give a, little, a little love to the, the Fab Five. I was just looking at that. <laughs> Hawthorne Glass, Angelo, and wait for it, Mary Rinaldi. Wow. Coming through with the pick, and you know what? You know what Fab Five st- stands for, Andrew. Uh, give it to me. And if anyone's thinking the Michigan team, they're dead wrong. That's the five. Fab Five is the actual amount of grandkids they have right now. Oh, so th- was that in anticipation of Mila? That is correct. Ah. She was. Uh, she was supposed to come April, early April, but she she graced us end of March. So wow, we got lucky there. But that's the bracket. Those are the brackets, and actually, my cousin Frank. The franchise, franchise construction, 124 points. Still not out of it. Still not out of it. Andrew, crazier stuff has happened. All right, well, since your bracket's out of it, right, and we got a lot of other people that are clearly proving to us that they might be better at picking sports games than us, how do you feel about this Final Four? Because, you know, we dueled it out, and we'll talk more about it in what do you got. In one of these final – one of those Elite Eight matchups – or excuse excuse me, we went to the Sweet 16, but either way – uh, this is not a Final Four that anybody expected to be there. And this is a Final Four that presents two really interesting games. And I think, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a lot of potential entertainment and drama. 
Yeah, and you would think that with the exit of Zion, you would think that people would would probably be turned off. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I would say the casual fan is probably going to not pay that much attention to the Final Four, but uh, I, I, I'm definitely interested in, in these matchups. I, you know, I had more chalk going to these things, and typically you see that. But, hey, there was chalk in the Sweet 16, but, you know, some of those teams came through. Texas Tech just, I mean, steamrolled your, your squad, Michigan, bro. That was Wow. Just, I don't, I don't know what happened there. They just, my man Jack Culliver just sh- shooting about the gym. It was disturbing son. actually to watch. I mean, listen, that's a good, you don't hear much Texas Tech, you know, Chris Beard, kind of an unknown coach, but he's got, a, he's got a lot of veteran leadership. So he's got these kids playing at a high level. And I mean, listen, playing against Tom Izzo, that's no easy task, but. I, I, I just I think Texas Tech may be out of something here. Well, let me ask you this before we move really diving into the four teams that are remaining. Do you feel like, and you just mentioned how going up against a well-coached Tom Izzo team is something very difficult to do. Do you feel like the Duke season was a failure because they were not able to at least reach a Final Four? Or do you feel like regardless it was still a successful season because they were one of eight teams remaining in the tournament? I mean, I, I have my opinion on the topic, and I know that a lot of people probably fall one way or the other, but it's a very interesting debate because there were a lot of NCAA records broken this year, but I think and I understand that a lot of people judge ultimate success by championships. The hype train was real at a Duke, and everyone was riding Duke hot, you know, Zion. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, who, I mean, frankly, his, his draft got plummeted hard this, after this tournament. Dude was, frankly, a no-show and kind of upset, you know, sad to, to see that out of the young man because a Coach K coach team, you know, you would think these players would learn leaps and bounds. And to me, it looked like, obviously, I think Zion took a huge leap. Uh, R.J. was R.J., but Cam Reddish really was kind of an unknown. And I didn't see much growth, to, you know, towards the end, Andrew, right? Like, he really didn't escalate to the player he could have been. I agree, and that one of those one of the things things are things that I look at the most in the whole loss really to Michigan State is the fact that at the end of the day, R.J. Barrett was at the free throw line with two free throws to tie the game. And in my opinion, and who knows, maybe my opinion really doesn't matter at the end of the day. But in my opinion. If you're going to be a lottery pick in the NBA, if you're going to be one of those top dogs that a team's going to want to take in the NBA, you got to be hitting those free throws. And if our sample size, Anthony, on these guys is one year in college, then I'm of the thought process that you got to take those free throws into consideration when you're thinking about what type of guy this is, what his development's going to be like, and what type of pro he's going to eventually become. Yeah, you know, if if you're trying to find a knock on their game, I have to agree. You know, free throw shooting is definitely a key component to the game. You see some people struggle in the NBA. <clears throat> a lot of King, LeBron, dude seems to miss clutch three throws every once in a while. But I mean, I think the all-around game, R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think Zion Williamson is a freak, and he'll be number one just because he's he's just a freakish athlete, and you, and you can't teach six eight, two hundred eighty-five pounds. Like you know what I mean? Like you just can't teach that. And uh, I think John Morant. Uh, blew up his stock nice, so he'll be rising up the charts. And, uh, I mean, frankly, I just think that it comes down to 
to good coaching and execution. And like Tom Izzo is just, I mean, obviously Coach K is a legend, but Tom Izzo in his own right is a legend at Michigan State. And he always seems to be in the final, you know, the Elite Eight final four matchups. You know what I'm saying? So would you take Tom Izzo coach team over anybody, even as hot as Texas Tech is playing right now? You know, I, it's, that's tough to, it's tough to go against Tom Izzo. His record speaks for himself. I think he's got over 50-some tournament wins. Now he's facing a Chris Beard coach, Texas Tech, who hasn't been to the Final Four in God knows how many years. And uh, so I, I don't want to give it away, Andrew, because that may be a little, a little head, what do you got pick between us. But right now, my lean is actually the upset. And I'm, I think I'm going to ride the Red Raiders in this train right through Michigan State. I think that's so much of this tournament. I think it's so hard for this tournament – and this is a big-time debate, Ant, and I think you would agree. It's like, you know, does this tournament actually give you the best team in college basketball? And I think it does because at the end of the day, if you are the best team, you should beat anyone that's in your way. And I get it all. Oh, a team could be hot or this or that or the other thing. But at the end of the day, if you're the best team and you're the team that should be the last one standing, then you should be able to beat who's ever in your way. So I really do think that when it comes to this tournament, you're right. The coaching is so important. But when you say ride somebody with a hot end, Anthony, you can't be wrong with that thought process, right? Because, I mean, that's half the battle in this tournament. you got to come into it hot. And so often do we see the team that comes into it hot finding a way the team that maybe sputtered down the road or the team that really just wasn't playing their best basketball come March and April. You know, what do we always say in the podcast, Andrew? What's the, what's the ticket? What's the, what's the best way to win the NHL playoffs? You ride the hot goalie. And That's to right. me, to me, the head coach is the goalie in this thing. Cause really, I mean, there is a basket to protect the basketball, but the head coach, you know, he kind of, he's the mastermind and these kids are, you know, he's drawing up plays. He's got all these plays, inbound plays, you know, kids got to play their heart out. And frankly, does, does this tournament bring out the best squad? I'm going to say it, it, it does, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. But I, I still think Duke on paper is obviously, you don't play on paper, but the talent that Duke has, obviously, I think is the best team in college. But I just think it's a team that comes together and just plays hard and just happens to, you know, like look at Purdue. I mean, Purdue is a solid squad all year. And I mean, Carson Edwards, Duke can shoot out the gym. And I mean, but he was basically the only player that really, you know, he's kind of like the Seth, uh, the Steph Curry, you know, he was the only really kid scoring and it didn't matter who he, who was guarding him, the kid was still scoring. So frankly, I mean, Purdue got on a hot run, but eventually their flame ran out because a better, well-coached, you know, more efficient team in Virginia, you know, won outright in overtime. Yeah. I mean, so, what, what was it? Carson Edwards was like the first dude since Steph Curry to win the MVP of a regional and not win the regional. I think or something along and those I, lines. I mean, that was no uh, impressive and, performance, and, and rightfully deserved. Like I, I have no problem giving it to him because I mean the dude. I mean I think he scored like hundred and thirty some points in, in, in those three games. It was just uh, those four games it was absurd. I mean the dude just lights out, and he was just he was coming off curls. He was just he was hitting bank threes. I mean he was four feet behind the line hitting threes. I mean dude just turned around chucking it and he was buckets. Yeah, and unfortunately though. And it's kind of, it was kind of crazy because I was like, I watched the end of that game and I'm like, how the hell did Virginia find a way? How did they find a way? And, you know, that gives me a lot of, a little bit more confidence in that squad, you know, going into the final four because 
you know, I'm sure it was some recency bias in terms of them being the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed in the tournament last year. You know, maybe that's the reason why I had them being knocked out in the Sweet 16. Maybe that's the reason why I don't ever – I didn't have that confidence in them. But that was the first time I feel like I was watching Virginia and I gained confidence in their ability to win big games because they looked so poor offensively down the stretch of that game. And it was like, what are they even running? Like, this literally looks like just a bunch of dudes running around trying to make up something and trying to get the ball in the hoop. And then somehow they found a way to win that game through the adversity of Carson Edwards picking up 70% of his team's points and them not really be able to have an offense the last five minutes of that game and overtime. But yet they found a way to win. And so when you look at that, you say, you know what? They become a favorite for me in the Final Four because what do, what do people always say, Anthony? Good teams find a way to win. And right now, I think all four of these teams are finding ways to win. And that's what makes it intriguing for this Final Four. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm quite intrigued with Auburn and their run uh, kind of is, it really intrigues me. But I think, I think it comes to an end against Virginia, Andrew, in, in this Final Four matchup. I love the Tony Bennett, uh, the team. I mean, listen, being a number one, getting kicked out by a 16, unheard of, never happened before in the 34 years of the tournament. So I'm sure that was a number one smack stab on the chalkboard coming out of the locker room. You know, we're a number one seed again. And they had a few scares, but it ain't happening again. And you see it. But, I, I, you know, Auburn, I, they had a hell of a run. I mean, they're, 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 they're blowing past teams that are ranked Kentucky, your Kansas squads. I mean, I think they won that game. Uh, Trickler, uh, losing their losing Chuma Okike in the game before. I think they they rallied around that aspect too because that was also something that's so strong and powerful. You know, losing one of your best guys 48 hours before you got to play again, and I think they rallied around that and that kind of propelled them in overtime versus Kentucky. But I I think they're going to run out of steam and I think Virginia is just going to just be efficient, just be poised, and Tony Bennett has his squad ready, and you'll see them in the national championship. Last question before we get out off of the college basketball train and we move into your favorite headlines train. Cause I know, I know you love that, right? Yes. <laughs> I see John Calipari gets a lifetime contract from Kentucky and I get it. I think he's a great coach. Well, I guess I don't get it. That's part of my issue, but it, it raised the question for me, and I've heard other people talking about it as well, but I want to pose the question to you. Okay, Mr. Rinaldi, you're going to give out a lifetime contract, okay? You know, who are you giving that lifetime contract to? What coach do you feel like any sport, Mr. Rinaldi, would you give a lifetime contract to? I mean, I, I guess the cop-out answer is Bill Belichick. I mean, that's a, that's a simple one just for the mere – the mere fact of his genius. True. I mean, if, if, uh, I mean, wow. I, I guess, yeah, it'd be him. I mean, Nick Saban's up there, right? Yeah. If you want to go college, sure. uh, Greg Popovich, I, I think well, he's a great think, mind think for basketball. Popovich. And I just love the fact that he gives, he gives you nothing during interviews and he just makes you look like a fool. And it's kind of, it's kind of douchey, but it's kind of fun at the same time. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I guess it'd be built. I mean, if I, only, if I could only give out one, I'm going to say, Billy Belichick. You know, you, and that's such an easy answer. Would, would you have ever thought of like a Joe Torrey? No. Really? Joe Torrey, he was a mess at the end. I mean, 
Joe Torre got got I don't say Joe Torre got handed the reins to a championship team, but he got handed the reins to a championship team, Andrew. I mean, those squad. Listen, don't get yeah, me wrong. Luke Joe Torre should have reaped those rewards. Right. Uh, no, Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter I believe, you're I, right. I, I, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think. Listen, Joe Torre was a great guy, a great manager. He, he obviously brought me four championships in a row, so I can't be too mad at that. Uh, but towards the end, you know, you, you can see he was more of a player's guy. You know, he he, he just whatever George Steinbrenner wanted, he was his puppet. You know, puppet master, which obviously George pulled the strings back then. But I mean, I, I don't think Joe Torre would last in a, in a game like today, where you know, because he wasn't analytics at all. You know, he was he was just by the he was one of the last few guys that kind of managed by the gut. You know what I mean? That's a good point. That's a really good point. I just I, I would go by Bill Belichick too, but you know. That's an easy answer, it but is, how, how do you but, not? But right? the, the question now becomes to me, do, do you get – are you signing that coach at their current age now or are you signing that coach in their prime? And I know I posed the question to you, so I guess I'm just adding a comp- complexion to it. But, like, would you give that lifetime t- contract to Bill Belichick now, though? Because, like, with his age and the amount of success he has had, it's like that same concept with owners in baseball. They don't want to give contracts to these pitchers on things that they did. They want to give contracts based on what they believe they will do. So are you taking lifetime Bill Belichick at his current age? Because if I'm getting him at his current age, I might think about, you know, somebody slightly different. I'm not saying Sean McVay, but I'm just saying I might look to go in a different direction if age becomes a factor in that conversation. And you're right, because if, if you notice, all the all the coaches I mentioned happen to be in their uh, the elder statesmen of their of their prospective field. So, I mean, Bill Belichick coming out of Cleveland was a failure. So, you, you know, would you take him then, knowing what you know now? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, so, I, I think probably. I mean, after watching the thirty for thirty, if I was if I was, I mean, I was obviously I was alive back then when he was on the Giants, but I think like eighty six. I was obviously I was one year old, so. I, but, I mean, just the knowledge he had, and you could tell. I mean, Bill Parcells knew he had uh, something in there, and Bill Belichick. And so probably back then I'd take him. But if you're asking me now, I mean, show me. I mean, how about, a, how about a, a Sean Payton out of New Orleans? He's relatively young in the spectrum of coaches. That's a good one. I don't know, Andrew. I don't know if I'd give anybody – I mean, what, is it, what does that pay out? What is I agree. Like, what happens when he retires? <laughs> like, is he still under contract? Yeah. Like, I don't get yeah, it. That, that's, his, that's his 401k or his pension, that, you know? He's campaign. I'd be so dumb. What is – That is the Bobby Bonilla. Exactly. That, hey, welcome – hey, Kentucky, take it from a Mets fan. You don't want to be paying somebody for something they're not doing. It's the dumbest thing ever. Such a waste of money. I'm like, awesome. what does John Calipari want? What does he want? One championship? Like, I get it. Like, one championship in the broad spectrum of things is actually really fucking impressive. But for a lifetime contract? Is that, is that what we're talking about here? I mean, that seems a little ridiculous, but I guess that's just me. And that's why I asked you the question because it's like, dude, of all the people we're going to give a lifetime contract to, we're going to give it to John Cal Perry. Like, I, I get it. If you want to go to the NBA, go to Kentucky. Like, if you want to win a championship, you're probably not going to go to Kentucky except when it was Jaleel Okafor. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. What, what if somebody offers you a lot more? Like, see, I got to know the money to this lifetime right. contract. I guess. I mean, I guess is it a lot of deferred money? Like, what do you wait? I, I mean, he's—I guess he's relatively young. He's not—he's not an older. Uh, I mean, he's probably in his mid to late fifties, right? Early sixties. Yeah, but this, and it's no knock on him. It's just here. It, I'm just you know, 
of all people. But I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of slippery. He's like Rick Pitino, you know. Like he'll he'll leave. You know, he left he left Memphis after some drama, you know. Say an NBA team comes calling and just offers you a boatload of cash. Like I mean, it may be a tasty offer. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Does that mean he's now closed the door on any other opportunity Does, ever? I hope he signed a no trade. Yeah, so, yeah. See, we gotta get the details of this contract because we'll get a lot of questions yeah. answered. That's it. Find Let's it find out. It out. Listen, you know what we're gonna do first before we find out John Calipari's lifetime contract? We're gonna do some headlines, Mister Rinaldi. Yes, headlines. Right, all right, all right. Here we go. Headlines, Mr. Rinaldi, possibly your favorite segment of the show. All right, headline number one. The Cliff Bar Company has said that they will pay a total of $718,750 to the women's national soccer team. That means that each player will receive $31,250. That's 23 USWNT players. And that, Mr. Rinaldi, will make up the difference in salary roster bonuses for making the World Cup team. That is the difference, that $31,250, Mr. Rinaldi, between a male bonus salary and a female bonus salary. Well, congratulations to the women's soccer team. That's obviously a huge... Uh, score for them, no pun intended, or maybe it was Andrew. But uh, there you go. So, uh, unfortunately, it had to be a, a company had to provide the money. I don't know why the U.S. team didn't come up, or whoever pays the, the women's salary to come up with it. But it is what it is. But listen, they got the, it's on the positive note. Very positive note. All right, headline number two: the AAF, also known as the Alliance of American Football has suspended operation after eight weeks. As of right now, Bill Polian says that they are on schedule to start again in the February of 2020. Mr. Rinaldi, this is a twofold question here. A, do you even care? And B, do you believe that they will start a second season in February of 2020? I, I guess the writing was on the wall when they needed that $250 million uh, loan that they got from whatever to pay the salaries for the upcoming few weeks, so uh, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't really care that they were gone, and uh, hopefully they do come back in February because it'll be something to talk about uh, after. That's Super Bowl. true. Even though apparently not a lot of people really cared to be watching the AAF. All right, well, here's my last one for you, Mr. Rinaldi. Extensions in baseball. Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Atlanta Braves, eight years, a one hundred million dollars extension. I thought that was a great one for the Braves, and then Xander Bogart, six years. 132 mil with the Boston Red Sox, something I'm sure you're not happy to see if you having to deal with him for another six years. These baseball owners, Mr. Rinaldi, starting to lock up these players early before free agency. Yeah, that seems to be the way that MLB's trending. And you saw all, like, I don't know how many guys, handful of guys still had a year or two left on their contract. And they're getting these long-term extensions. Uh, Nolan Arenado, like you said, Xander Bogarts. Now, Ronald Acuna, I mean... I'm sure Aaron Judge will be next after this season if he still continues to rip it. And it's, I think it's just wise. They're being smart. You know, they're paying the guys now up front to get a little, you know, it's better for the player. Uh, and then the team has control of them and it goes from there. Yeah, 100%. And I think you saw the Bryce Harper kind of led that way. You saw Louis Severino, Aaron Hicks for the New York Yankees lead that way. And I think it, 
both, both hurt. hurt crazy, and we'll get into that in a second. But it's just I think you're going to see that a whole lot more of a trend in Major League Baseball. Remember that those headlines were brought to you by Digme Nation. Head over to digmenation.com. Use the promo code DIGTHEDAB at checkout. That's D-A-A-B. And you will receive 30% off of your next purchase. That's digmenation.com. Digmenation.com. Promo code DIGTHEDAB. Mr. Rinaldi, you mentioned uh, the injuries to Aaron Hicks and to Luis Severino for the New York Yankees. I'll tell you what. It is... Not as bad of a start. I'm not going to break the glass in case of emergency yet for the New York Yankees. But as disappointing, I guess you could say, of a start from an injury standpoint and a game play standpoint, as you probably didn't want to see from your New York Yankees. When these folks are hearing the podcast, my Yankees will be unfortunately two and three, Andrew. It's not quite the start that we were hoping for all the, you know, the hype train talking about the Duke hype train. A lot of folks were on the, the Yankee bandwagon because, Oh, look at that lineup, how sick they are. Uh, they're pitching, you know, they upgraded with Paxton and, you know, they re-signed Hap and Sabathia once he goes back from injury, uh, you know, Severino, they just re-signed a young arm. And I mean, their, their IL list right now is almost an all-star team, uh, Andrew. And it's, it's, it's frightening when you look at it. And that was kind of the one thing that you can't account for in spring training and when you're signing all your players, you know, obviously you hope they're healthy and you think that this might be the one thing that, that could derail a team. Uh, and when you rattle off the IL, Stan, Anduhar, Gregorius, Hicks, Patances, Severino, should I keep going, Andrew? I mean, the list goes on and it, it's painful to watch uh, when you lose two out of three to the Baltimore Orioles. Thank goodness I was at opening day with my 21, uh, with my 20 month old son, shout out Dominator. We had a hell of a time. <laughs> But I mean, Andrew, it's 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 almost coming to a point exactly. It's it's you don't got to break the glass yet. But I mean, you better hope that Cashman and his choices of DJ LeMahieu, which you know I know we, me and you both love that 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 pickup, and you got to hope that Clint Frazier, now that he's gonna be called up, you know he's gonna come up in the outfield and be an everyday player for you because you're gonna need to fill that that role that Stanton leaves, and obviously Voit, Judge, Bird, Sanchez, Torres. You know, these guys are going to have to carry the load and, and then some. And uh, we've gotten some pretty good pitching. Uh, it hasn't been the best because, listen, you haven't been playing the best. You've been playing the Orioles and you're playing the Tigers. And to be two and three, it's not ideal. But, you know, it's, it's April baseball. There's a lot of baseball left, Andrew. And you know about that. Is the AL – yeah, well, Jesus. I mean, the, the, the Metropolitans make their living in April. But that's a whole other conversation. Best best team in April. In Hands down, one of the best teams in opening day in baseball history as well. Is the AL East a good enough division that the Yankees can, I'm not going to say afford to, but be able to come back from, let's say, a mediocre 20-game start? Because I, I just don't know if they're the, – the, the Rays – I mean, you know the Orioles are 4-1. Are they don't know that they're bad yet. They'll eventually even themselves out. I don't know that other teams in the division are really that good that – you know what? If the Yankees do sputter over 20, 25 games, they're, they're unhealthy. They need time to get guys back, and then they really hit their stride in the 40, 50-game range. I don't think this division's good enough, and I still think that they could make a run at, at doing what they want to do at the end of the season. I agree 100%. Look at the Red Sox. They're, they're la- I think they're last place. One in division. four. 
So it, it it's just a lot of baseball left. I think the injuries need to – the Yankees need, just need to kind of ride out this injury wave. Hopefully it happens just all now and not later. Uh, obviously the Andujar injury scares you a little bit because that, that, that's a torn labrum. Uh, I don't know if rest for a few uh, – a month or two is going to be enough. Uh, hurts my fantasy squad, so <laughs> bitch. Uh, obviously we're getting Gregorius back in, I believe, June, July. Uh, I believe Hicks is on the mend as well. I know Severino is going to start a, a, a throwing program in a few weeks. So, I mean, Stanton's only in the 10-day uh, with some biceps. I mean, these guys got to stop working out, Andrew. I don't, I don't understand. Muscles and baseball swing and power don't equate to me for some reason. Like being all juiced up. I mean, ask Noah Syndergaard, That's right? a good point. That, that was the year he had the triceps injury. Well, it's – I mean, Stanton is yoked. And, I mean, the dude's got a tricep injury – I mean, a bicep injury now. And it, well, isn't it not it, like so, not on his throwing arm, right? It's like on his glove hand. Is that where it is? So maybe you could be maybe you could DH after maybe take t- make take a week off, two weeks, go to Miami, go hang out, drink some mojitos, come back to us. Here's my here, question right? to you, right? And, and I'm going to stay on on the AL side of things because that's the side that that matters the most to you. And the realistic nature of it is, and and you witnessed this last year as a Yankees fan, some teams so be it really good teams this year ha- might have to look at the wild card as a scenario. And I think one of those teams that's going to kind of throw the whole league for a little bit of a loop on the AL side is the Seattle Mariners. So, you know, they're six and one. They're, they're a solid ball club. I think eight, eight fifty, eight fifty would right. Percent I mean, you got to love it. I mean, but guys like Tim Beckham who are raking baseballs right now and Domingo Santana, trust that those guys are going to do that over 162 game season so you know smaller sample size but you think the mariners are legit and could be somebody that actually competes maybe i don't think they they win the al west but they might take one of those two wild card spots i don't want to quite copy you and say they don't know they're bad yet uh quote that you said with baltimore which i thought i chuckled to myself well, jay uh, bruce on the Mar- seattle mariners just that's right. Listen, I think it's a re- – yeah, they got rid of Paxton. They sold off Cano and Diaz. I mean, you got to think that they have a plan, that, that they're thinking about rebuilding. You know, maybe they're catching lightning in a bottle here in April. Uh, but, like, you know, you know, call me in June if when Seattle is, you know, huddling at 500 and, uh, you know, or maybe below 500. Uh, you know, Houston, they're struggling right now. They're two and three. Yankees are two and three. I mean, Red Sox are one and four. Cleveland's two and two. I mean, a lot of these teams, it's eight, you know, it's the eight, six games into the season, five games into the season. They're all trying to figure it all out. It's, it's a long process. Some guys are, are getting hurt. I'll ask the Yankees about that. It, you know what? So I take it with a grain of salt, Andrew. And I just think that uh, Seattle just had that opening stint in Japan and they've kind of carried it over. We talked a lot. We've talked a lot, actually. It's kind of funny about the Milwaukee Brewers on this podcast. You love the Brewers. Love the Brewers. Christian Yelich is, is massing baseballs right now, Mr. Rinaldi. And I, have you seen a guy be traded to a city and welcome himself better than a Christian Yelich to a Milwaukee? I have not. I, I mean, listen, if that, how else better to ingratiate yourself into the Brew Crew community by just straight up bringing it? <laughs> I, I don't know what Derek Jeter's thinking over there, but I guess uh, I guess Christian Yelich wasn't in the future plans, didn't see the potential that uh, some teams do. But maybe, listen, maybe it takes a change of scenery to uh, 
a little change of obscurity and uh you know go, i mean not, not that miami is a, a, a firehouse of media frenzy or, or not because they're they haven't been good since they basically won a trophy when they were what early not uh, late Island. 90s <laughs> yeah exactly so uh you see i i don't know i just i like it i think it's how could you not like it i mean dude's here's stuff. my question and you mentioned it and this is exactly where i wanted to go does it make you question decisions by a Derek Jeter or, or other people you've seen do similar things in their position? Like you could even almost equate it to like the Odell Beckham Jr. type deal. Like Christian Yelich was that good in Miami as well. He, he might not have been full MVP good, but he was that good while he was with the Marlins. Odell Beckham Jr. is that good while he's with the Giants. So like when moves like that are made and then, Obviously, we haven't seen the backside of Odell, but we've seen a year out of Yelich, and it's an MVP award. Does that make you question the owners making these decisions? And, and in this case, it's kind of funny because it's probably an idol of yours and Derek Jeter. Oh, it's the captain, Andrew. Don't talk bad about it. Why are you always going to bring up my teams, Andrew? Why well, not bring up your team? Why my team's always – That he owns. No, but you bring up my, my, my Odell, about my Giants, my miserable fucking Giants. Um Listen, it, it's. I think it's, they they kind of have a similar backstory, and it's just two very young, talented, you know, stud players happen to be on losing squads right now in Miami and the Giants, and they they like Christian Yelich turned his fortune because Milwaukee was in that playoff hunt last year, so he got a taste of of what winning culture was like, and you saw him just thrive and and just continue to rake. And same thing with, uh, I mean, I mean for Cleveland's sake, you got to hope that Odell continues to thrive and be the player that he was with the Giants. And unfortunately, their talent just didn't equate to them, their teams getting more wins. And they were unhappy. Uh, I'm, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure Yelich wanted out because he saw the writing on the wall when Derek Jeter traded away Giancarlo Stanton for a bag of balls. And he, there were talks about trading J.T. Real, uh, Real, uh, Real Mutu. So, I mean, I think Christian Yelich saw the writing on the wall and he's like, I'm getting out of here. I think Odell kind of got out of it. I mean, I don't know why Odell signed the extension with New York. I guess because he got, you know, he saw all the dollar signs, and you know, he was he was questioning Eli from the, you know, from like year year two or three on. With his, so he was, again, that's a, a another conversation we'll have come down the future with Odell. But uh, I mean, it is what it is. And these guys, they just want to – the young athletes these days. They're they're more vocal, and they're they're willing to let me on Bell, maybe sit out a year and put their contract on the line and, and go for it. But let's see, it worked out for Yale to Milwaukee. Let's see if Cleveland and Odell are happy. And you see, and you see the San Diego Padres off to a three and two start. I noted that in my notes for today's podcast. Just, Has Machado got a hit yet? I don't need. I don't know. I, it's, it's, I I've never disliked a signing so much in my entire life. I don't know why. Like I I don't dis I I don't dislike the Harper signing as much as I dislike the Machado signing. And I'm glad Harper got booed in Washington, Ant. I'm glad those fans deserve to boo. I'd boo the heck out of him if he was on my team like that and he made that decision, especially after we offered him a $300 million contract. Now he's still raking. He struck out twice and he got two hits. I mean, the dude just is raking right now, but I'd gonna, boo him. He's going to rake in that band box. He's going to rake in that band box, Phil. He is. You- no, look, that's, that's the beauty of, you know, fan short for fanatic. You know, that's the, that's the best part. You, you get to spend your hard-earned cash go to the stadium and heckle the player that you used to call, you know, your own. So I have no problem with the Philly fans. I mean, the Washington fans booing the hell out of Bryce Harper. I agree with you. 
I agree with you 100%. You know, I was I was doing a lot of booing this weekend, Mr. Rinaldi. You know why? Why is that? Because of you slaughtering me and what do you got? Crushing it. Love what do you got. Best <laughs> Second best segment we got. You are like a roller coaster at Six Flags with what? I'm a roller coaster of emotions. You are a roller coaster of emotions, but your Texas Tech over Michigan pick absolutely slaughtered me. So That's right. That's right. Keep talking. You get two clean points this week, so you you improve your record to thirty-seven and forty-two. So uh, big congratulations Oof. on that one. And I dropped my record to forty-one and thirty-eight. And yeah, I was I was like I told you before. I'll say it again. It was almost uncomfortable watching that Michigan Texas Tech game. That's how. Yeah. That's how handily yeah. Texas Tech <laughs> beat Michigan. That's right. That's right, Andrew. Fear the beard. <laughs> and uh, that's listen, great. I, All right. Well, I, you like that? You give the people a rundown on where we're going this week for what do you got? I'm a little nervous because we're staying on the hardwood. And apparently, every time I pick a basketball team, whether it's college or the NBA, I find myself getting slaughtered. That's a that's a free public announcement bet for all those degenerate gamblers out there. Just go against Andrew; he is miserable. It's like it's like like my hardwood picks, except you just do the opposite of what I say and you make the money. That's right. Sometimes you got to fade. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fade the kids. Listen, Andrew, let's keep it on the hardwood. Let's keep it to the final four. That's on everyone's mind, even pregnant ladies going into labor. <laughs> and I, you know what? I, I I told the folks early on, so I hope you're paying attention. Andrew and I are going to go heads up this weekend against both of these teams. I'm rocking Virginia over Auburn, and I'm rocking the Red Raiders over Michigan State. I just like the way they're playing. Texas Tech is is is, is rallying around their their coach. You know, it's, their, it's one of the first time in, going to the Final Four. They're hungry. They can taste it. Obviously, Virginia redemption. Tony Bennett is preaching to his guys that they belong there. They belong there last year. And they just kind of happen to lose their way, but they're running through. They're poised to to win it all, Andrew. So give me Texas Tech and Virginia, and I don't even care what you say about Michigan State and Auburn. I know I'm going to win two points this week. <laughs> so is that how we're doing this? We're going straight up one game, one point. The other game, the other point. That's it. That's it. Unless, that's it. That's all yeah. we need. I mean, I can tell you. I can tell you, Jared Culliver is going to drop thirty on you, but you know, I'll let him do yeah, the talking. Yeah, you let him do the talking. Listen. I told you earlier, I like what Virginia showed in terms of a team that is easily the best defensive team in the country and does have some offensive ability. I don't trust Kyle Guy. I, I, Jerome can handle the ball, but I don't trust Kyle Guy as a big-time three-point shooter. And I think that's what's going to end up being the difference maker in this game is Virginia has showed some cracks in that defense. Auburn is an athletic team. Guard play is key in this tournament, and Auburn's guard play has been impeccable to this point. So that's why I'd like the Auburn side of things there. And I'm going to take your argument for as to why I want Michigan state one. They've also had great guard play, but two Tom Izzo is a fantastic tactician on the basketball court. He puts his players in the best position to succeed. And Oh, by the way, for anybody that was questioning his coaching style and whether or not he should be getting into his players faces the way he does, Look at the response that he had. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this Cassius Winston guy, you know, this guard from Michigan State who has been tearing up the tournament. 
you have that play and Tom Izzo, I'll take the I'll, Anthony. I'll take both those sides, and I, I feel like, I feel a two and zero coming on here. I really do. I'll let I'll, I'll let Mr. Winston do the talking. He's probably going to drop twenty four, dish out about eight, grab a few boards, and take Michigan State to the finals. Take that to your ticket window, folks. Take Texas Tech and Virginia all day You're, long. Well, you you take those bananas and tell me if you win any next time we talk. All right, but you're right. It's very hard to bet against Tom Izzo. I'm a, even though he's in my own division as a, as a Big Ten guy, he's he's a, he's a stud. I mean, he's up there. He might be Mount Rushmore. Oh, oh Mount coach, Rushmore, basketball, basketball coach. coaches. Yeah, that's an interesting topic we'll conversation. We'll have to. We'll we'll talk about that. In the we'll talk about that in the offseason, Mister Rinaldi. What I think I hear something in the background. Is that is that a baby crying? Oh, geez, let me go, let me go uh-huh. to my princess. Daddy's coming. Daddy's coming. Daddy times two. Listen, it has been a pleasure. We appreciate, the dad community appreciates you taking your time being a, a double father right now. A big congratulations from me, from, from the community. And uh, thanks for finding time for us to chat and drop that sports knowledge. Andrew, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I expect nothing less from the Romanella clan. I appreciate all the love from all the folks out there and God bless. I don't know how I got so lucky. I am one blessed individual and I hope everyone out there has a great night. I got to get out of here. I need some rest. I'll talk to you. Andrew. Tell Mila and tell the dominator, the dad podcast family loves them until Friday. I am your host, Andrew Romanello. That's my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Remember you can get us on Twitter and on Instagram at Dab Podcast on both of them, dabpodcast.com, dabpodcast at gmail.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Remember, rate it and review it. It helps us out immensely. For the Dab Podcast, episode 62, we will talk to you later.